of Solomon, Song of Solomon, chapter number 8. And if you have your King James Bible, say amen. amen. I'm just going to be honest with you, and I mean this with all my heart. We could go home right now and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Holy Ghost of God's done showed up. The big preacher showed up. But I feel like we'll give you a few words from the Lord this morning, this evening. Kind of follow, kind of follow the atmosphere that the Holy Ghost has created. We prayed. We got what we prayed for, preacher. Say, I'm waiting on God to show up. No, you ain't. There's something wrong if you're still waiting. He's here. I sat up here. I'm glad the pastor asked me to sit up here because I've watched the Holy Ghost move. I've watched him walk through here. I'm, I ain't trying to be, I ain't trying to put a damper on things, but I've also watched, I've watched some receive and I've watched some just sit there. And I want and I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm just telling you, get in on it. It will change your life. When you feel his presence, if you could know him the way we know him, you'd know he's alive. It's real, church. This thing's real. People riding past up and down this road tonight while we're in here worshiping have no idea what's going on in this little box that we call the meeting place. This ain't the church. We can have exactly what we have if we was out in a field somewhere in a cattle barn. This is the meeting place. We're the church. You know why we feel God so good in here? Because you you brought the right, you've been praying, you've been, you've been looking, you've anticipated. We've minded God. Uh, the testimonies, the, the, the lady come down here anointed. I tell you, God was in every bit of that. So preacher, how do you know? Because I felt it. I, I, I'm not God's thermometer by no means, but I know when he shows up and I know when he's pleased and I know when he's grieved. He's been pleased tonight. People have just been, everybody knows what a key is. Everybody's got a, a key. Uh, you got, most of us have three or four or five. Some of you ladies have 15 or 20. That key fits a lock. Let me tell you something. Everybody here, you got a key to the service. You know what blessed my heart? I began to hear this man's testimony. I watched tears roll down his face. And preacher, that touched me. That moved me. That moved me. The pastor's daughter started squealing like a banshee Indian. That moved me. See, preachers, that bother you. It bothers me when somebody don't get in on it. I was raising this stuff, man. Testimonies, the going to the altar. God, how many of you, how many of you know God will tell you to do something? You can do one or two things. You can either grieve him or you can, you know, some of the greatest services I've ever been in is when a teenager got up and went to an altar. Swallowed that pride. No, didn't swallow it, got rid of it. Got up with tears, mascara running down. I mean, listen, makeup, got that ugly crying going on. Some of us need to ugly cry. Just ugly cry. Don't care what nobody thinks. I like when there's Kleenexes and tear stains all over the altar, preacher. That means God showed up. That's a trail of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Say, preacher, I don't know about all. I ain't got a, I ain't got a verse for your dead, dried up religion, but I got a book full of praising, worshiping, slinging tears and snot. Hallelujah. I got a book full of praising him with your arms up in the air, coming out of Egypt with a high hand. I'm talking about kicking up the gold dust and getting in the glory, getting under the spout where the glory runs out. Honey, I got a book full of 
of sacrifice, of praise, even the fruit of our lips. But the only thing the Bible says about dead religion, it's called dead letter, dead law. It'll take you straight to hell, honey. You could go to hell holding the King James Bible, having never smoked a cigarette, never drank liquor, never put cocaine up your nose, and die a Pharisee or a Sadducee, and go to a devil's hell. I'm telling you, friend, if you ain't got in on this thing tonight, this altar's still open. Come get you a dose of living water where you'll never thirst again. This psalmist said, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than the time that their corn and their wine increased. You know what he's saying? Paycheck couldn't do it, the barroom couldn't do it, but Jesus did it all. If we could put this in a bottle, we could put Budweiser out of business. If we could put this in a baggie, we could shut down the drug cartel. But you got to get in on it before you know about it. See, if you looked at the tabernacle on the outside, all it had was badger skins and curtains. There was no beauty on the outside. All you saw was the brazen altar where the skins and the calls and the gallbladders and the guts and the blood and the smoke and the fire. Oh man, that didn't look appetizing to any of them Moabites come down off the hill. They said, I don't know about that place. It's smoke and fire. And then you had the brazen labor which screamed. You got to get cleaned up, amen. But then, friend, if you ever got past the brazen altar and you ever got the brazen labor on you and you got in with them fine twine linings and that purple and all that beautiful golden candlesticks and the showbread and the altar of incense and if you ever had a chance to peek in behind the holiest of holies and see that Ark of the Covenant baby and see what was going on on the inside. See, you got to get on the inside or you really see what it's all about. See, preacher why do you preach so hard why do you tithe and go to church every time the doors are open I don't see anything going on on the out oh come get on the inside stick your head in on a Sunday morning about 11:30 when the choir gets to singing what sins are you talking about you'll begin to see what God's done a bunch of sorry low down sinners saved by the grace of God I tell you what it is it's joy unspeakable and full of glory hallelujah I'm telling you, man, I love every minute of it. I like when he just shows up unexpected. That's what happened tonight. I wasn't feeling it, but I was expecting it. That choir got to singing. All of a sudden, they started singing about, I know the master of the wind, and I began to think, I know him. I know him. And it got real to me. It got real to me. I, I, I had to just bury my face. I didn't want to. It, it was one of them. It was one of them hide moments. You got some of them moments where you're up on the pew going woo, but then you got some of them moments where you just want to hide. Scared, scared you're going to offend him. I like it all. Some of my favorite times with God's when I want to crawl up under a pew and just hide and bury my face at the cross and say, God. Why you love me so much? Forgive me for my wretched sin. Say, preacher, you sin, I sin. I'm the chiefest of sinners. I, one, one thing I disagree with, with the apostle Paul, and I believe I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm gonna tell you something, friend. When you really feel his presence. You know him the way I know him. You'll wanna tell somebody what God's done for you. I want you to look with me in one verse. I, I wanna follow the Lord. I, I realize what time it is. If you give me about 25, 30 minutes, we'll be out of here. But I want to follow the Holy Ghost. Song of Solomon chapter 8, look with me in verse. I'm, you know, I can preach on a half of, can I just preach on a half a verse? You can preach, preach on a syllable in this book. 
I've literally preached on a comma one time. I forget what verse it was. It was a comma. Amen. I said, I just want to preach on that comma because it's not the end of what he was saying. Let's just keep going. Every jot and tittle is important. If you got an NIV, I don't know what it's going to say. But I tell you, if you got a King James, I still believe in the old King James. I may never be rich. I may never have fame. But I'll go to my grave telling the same. I still believe in the old King James. Some call me old-fashioned. Some say I'm insane. But my God's on the throne. He'll never change. So mock if you want. Laugh if you may. But I still believe in the old King James. Well, listen to me, you old liberal crowd. I'll stand high on a hill. I'll shout it out loud. Because that old book was read the day I got saved. And I still believe in the old King James. And I still believe in the old King James. I may never be rich. I may never have fame. But I'll go to my grave telling the same I still believe in the old King James verse number 5 Song of Solomon chapter number 8 who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved I want to preach for a few moments on the way of the wilderness the word wilderness is mentioned some 294 times in your King James Bible so I believe it's an important word Here's what the word wilderness means. A desert, a tract of land or region uncultivated and uninhabited by human beings. A state of disorder and uncertainty. I'm not going political tonight because I'll be here all night doing that. But not only are we in a state of disorder and uncertainty politically, but that fast it can hit your home. One phone call, one text message, one, one moment on social media. Hey, all it takes is, is a moment and a message and you are in a state of uncertainty and disorder in your family, your marriage, your church, doctor's report, financial report. I want to give you a couple of things that I believe will help you as we leave here tonight. As the Song of Solomon, uh, as, as we are reading these verses um, referring to the wilderness, I want you to notice three or four huge truths. Number one, when it comes to the wilderness, you should come up. Look at this, watch it. Now, I've, I, I, I just want to alliterate it because God did, but there's a lifting in the wilderness. There's a lifting. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning up? See, that's the purpose of the wilderness. That's the purpose of these times in life. God wants you to rise higher than your circumstances. Paul put it this way. We're going from glory to glory, from strength to strength. See, sometimes we get up in the morning, we go to work, we do our job, we come home, we eat our lunch, we come home, we cook supper, we do our little bit of chores, we get our shower, we go to bed, we get up, we do it over and over and over and over, and all of a sudden God says, Shazam, you're going into
to the wilderness for a moment. Why does God do that in our lives? I'll tell you why. He wants us to rise up above the normalities, the mundane things of life, and put our eyes upon him. And sometimes it takes a wilderness to open our eyes to what's spiritual and what's important. I, I, I remember many, many years ago, my wife, my precious wife of 30 years, we hadn't been saved but maybe about five or six years at the time. I was on one end of the house. She was on the other end. I believe she had fallen asleep in our daughter's bedroom with her. She was only about eight years old. I'm on one end of the house and she's on the other preacher. I mean, listen, things are going well. We're going to church. I'm going to work. She's staying at home, being a mom, trying to homeschool. We're doing everything. But we had gotten our focus off of what was most important. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, at about three o'clock in the morning, my wife has a pulmonary embolism right there in our home. Blood, two blood clots have went through her heart and were passing through her heart and going to lodge into her lungs. Out of nowhere, she woke up in the most pain she's ever felt in her life. She said she fell off the bed. She was trying to crawl she didn't have the energy to get to me I'm on one end of the house she doesn't even have the lung capacity nor the oxygen to scream my name she said she didn't know what to do but call upon God I'm not trying to get hooky spooky on you tonight but we, she had bought a, a little white church at a yard sale a wind up church it had been sitting there for three or four years untouched she said as I was crawling out of my daughter's bedroom on my face trying to get to you I didn't know what was going on I thought I was having a heart attack I thought I was dying. She said, I cried out to God for my heart. And out of nowhere, that church began to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. She said, as I was crawling on my belly trying to get to the bedroom to wake you up, all of a sudden, the peace that passes all understanding fell down upon me. And God said, you're going to be all right. She finally made her way to the bedroom and woke me up. I picked her up in my arms and rushed her to the hospital. Hey, she was in the hospital for four or five days. Can I tell you what happened to my wife while she was in the hospital? She was not focused on the cleaning of the house. She was not worried about the dishes. She wasn't worried about the mundane things of life. She called me up the second day she was in the hospital, preacher. She said, where are you at? I said, I'm on my way back to the hospital. Just left the house with some of your things. She said, turn around and go back. She said, there's a big old stack of gospel tracks in the closet. She said, get every one of them you got and bring them to me. I said, yes, ma'am. Listen to me. Are you listening to me? I can't make this stuff up. I took that stack of gospel tracts, God's simple plan of salvation, sent them on her nightstand in the hospital. Every doctor, every nurse, every single patient that passed by her way, she said, come here, I want to tell you about Jesus. Come here, I want to tell you about Jesus. Come here, let me tell you what God's brought me through. Hey, she began to make phone calls to some of her relatives that we had not spoken to in years. She said, I'm in the hospital. Will you come see me? Hey, I mean, just put a guilt trip on them, baby. They'd come in. She said, I'm so glad you're here. I'm feeling fine. Let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, God begin to use us. God begin to transform my wife's mind and way of thinking. And today we're what we are today because God brought us up out of the wilderness. There is a lifting when it comes to the wilderness. Let me tell you what's, what's going to happen. What's going to happen? God's going to put you in a wilderness. He's going to, out of nowhere, the lights are going to go out. And there's, there's always two extremes when you hit that place, preacher. Two extremes. Every time. 
Either you're going to run so far away from God, blame him for your problems, say if that's the way God's going to be, I don't want to serve him. Go back to the bar rooms, go back to the pills, go to the liquor, go to the pornography, go to the excitement of the world and try to get your help there and leave God. Oh, you'll draw up so close to him. You'll grab a hold of a blood-soaked tree on a hill called Calvary. You'll begin to wipe his feet with your hair and your tears and you'll, and you'll say, God, I can't get through this without you. I need your help. I've seen it both ways, honey. And I'm going to tell you something. The outcome of those who run away from God is death and destruction. It gets worse and worse until they commit suicide, overdose on dope, or end up so depressed that they're no use to society. Oh, but those who run to Jesus, they get the power of Christ. Hey, Paul said three times, I asked him to remove the thorn from me. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. He said, most gladly, therefore, will I rejoice in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, most gladly, therefore. Hey, you know what God's looking for? He's looking for someone who will bring forth a sweet-smelling savor in the midst of the wilderness and give him glory during those times. It's real easy to give God glory when everything's going right. But honey, when you're looking at a pink casket or you're looking at the casket of a loved one or you're going through a financial crisis or you're going through a bad doctor's report and you show up on Sunday morning and you sing victory in Jesus anyhow and it is well with my soul anyhow. God says, go ahead, boy. I'm getting a good sweet smell from that. That's a good sweet savor. That's the sacrifice of praise. There is a lifting when it comes to the wilderness. But there's a leaning when it comes to the wilderness. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness? Leaning upon her beloved. The wilderness was never meant to be a place where you don't talk to God and fellowship with him. Listen to me, the wilderness was never meant to be a place where God doesn't show his love for you. It's not meant to keep you down or discourage you, but to show you God's sustaining power while you are in the midst of it. The wilderness is where you learn to deal with your carnal nature. It's where you learn to lean on the King James Bible and lean on the everlasting arms of God Almighty. Y'all know me by preacher Barry Spears, but my granddaughter knows me by Popeye. Popeye, Popeye the sailor man. When she was learning to talk, I wanted to be Pawpaw. I had a great, I think it was a great grandpa, one of my great grand, I never knew any of them, but I was told one of them was named Pawpaw. So I wanted to be Pawpaw. I'm Cherokee Indian, Indian in me. But my granddaughter couldn't say Pawpaw. She was saying Popeye, but she didn't even know who Popeye was. So after about two weeks of trying to make her say Popeye, I looked at my wife and my daughter-in-law, and I said, why can't I just be Popeye? They said, okay, so I'm Popeye. Y'all got Popeye's chicken around here? My granddaughter, up until this year, thought I owned every one of them. I didn't tell her no different. she said, Popeye, you own that one? I'd be like, yeah. She'd go, oh. she, thinks I'm the, she thinks I'm richer than Donald Trump. I only have one granddaughter. My son and my daughter-in-law give us a beautiful granddaughter. But about a little over a year ago, my, my son called me up. He said, he said, Dad, he said, you sitting down? I said, well, I will be. What's up? He said, you're going to be a Popeye again. Oh. Yeah, I was excited, man. Praise God. Some of y'all followed this on Facebook. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you didn't. Over half a million people followed this story. So I was excited. My wife and I, man, we're getting all excited. And, you know, I mean, I'm thinking if it gets any better than one grandchild. You know what grandchildren are? 
They're God's trophies to parents who didn't kill their kids. So we're all excited, we're thankful, we're giving God praise. We talk about a mountaintop, mountaintop. My daughter-in-law went to her first checkup. We're all excited and praying and I got a phone call. My son said, Dad, are you sitting down? Where's, you, where's mom? I said, well, what's up? I knew right away something wasn't right. And um, he met with us and sat down in our living room and he said, Dad, the doctor said it's really bad. He said, your granddaughter, Blair Nicole, has anencephalia, which means she does not have a skull or very little piece of a brain, and she's not going to make it. And um, the doctors tried to get my son and my daughter-in-law to have an abortion. And my son said, we don't believe in that. God gives life. God takes life. We'll carry the baby until God's ready. And you talk about going from a mountaintop to a valley. I was crushed, man. I was so crushed. I thought, God, I'm serving you. I'm wearing myself out on the road. God, I'm, I don't know if there's sin in my life. Let me know about it. I'm sorry. Please, please, God, do a miracle. And we all begin to pray. And it got on Facebook. And over five, 600,000 people begin to follow this story. We begin to pray and ask for a miracle. And the doctors kept saying, no change, no change, no change. And about a month before the due date, they called us in. And the, my son and my daughter-in-law and my wife and I sat down with three of the head nurses and doctors in the hospital. And they said, here's what you're going to expect. We're going to do a C-section, and when little Blair Nicole comes out, you'll have no more than two hours before she passes away. Two hours is it, and, and we're going to put the baby in mom's arms, and she'll take her last breath, and she'll transition is the word they used. And, and I looked at them, and I said, I said, what's the chance of us getting more than two hours? They said, none. Zero with the, with the rim knocked off. They just don't live that long. This baby has no skull, very little piece of a brain. She won't know how to breathe on her own hardly. She won't know how to swallow her own saliva. She won't know how to eat. She, she, don't, she doesn't know anything. She's just going to be there until she passes away. I said, okay. We begin to pray. And we were really expecting a miracle. We really expected God to, say, to, to heal this child and give her to us, even if we had to take care of her the rest of our life. That's what we expected. But God chose not to do that. But let me tell you what he did choose to do. He chose to give us a choice to run to him or to run away from him. Amen. The morning came and our daughter-in-law was in the delivery room and my son, I'll never forget, he came walking in. He said, Dad, we don't have much time. They said, two hours, if that, get your camera ready, get the pictures, get the videos. And we did, man, and we were videoing everything. I'm holding that baby, I'm up close, I'm singing You Are My Sunshine. And we're passing it around from grandma to grandma to, to my daughter, to my son, to the baby's mom. I mean, we're just loving on this thing. And an hour turned into an hour and a half and into two hours. And I'm thinking, man, any time now, any time now. And then we got three hours and four and five and 10 and 12 and 24 and 36 and, and we're just rejoicing and we got all this time. I mean, our family is closer than we've ever been. 48 hours, 49 hours and the nurse walked in and said, she's getting ready to transition and we knew it. We knew it was coming. That was God's will. Looking back, I can see what God was doing. I can just see the devil up in the corner of that room where we was at. Oh, I wonder how he's going to take it now. Where's your God at now, boy? Sure could use some benzos or some Oxycontin or a shot of heroin right now, couldn't you? 
Hey, how about a shot of liquor? How about going back to the bar room and drowning your pain and drowning your tears with the nightlife? Hey, watch this, boys. He, he wears his watch. He ain't gonna make it through this one. I'm gonna tempt him. I'm gonna throw all this on him. And my son, he's had some struggles in his past as well. And I can see the devil as he's saying, watch Cody. He'll run back to the prescription bottle. He'll run away. He won't be able to handle this. About the time that baby took her last breath, I opened up my King James Bible, got a picture of Popeye sitting on the bed beside my daughter-in-law She's holding that precious little baby, 50 hours old. King James Bible open, tears are rolling. About the time that baby took her last breath, my daughter-in-law trying to speak through the tears. She said, Papa, she said, just pray for us. Let's just sing glory to God. What are you gonna preach at her funeral? There'll be a lot of people there. Read the Bible to us. My son begin to praise God. My wife begin to praise God. I begin to praise God. The nurse walked in and said, I've never seen anything like this. I said, honey, we're drawing close to our Redeemer. We're gonna lean upon Jesus. I preached my granddaughter's funeral to a packed house. Over a half a million people got to see the grace of God fall down on a bad situation and watch a family come up out the wilderness leaning upon their beloved. Honey, my family's closer than it's ever been. Revival began to spark in our church because we ran to God, not away from him. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness? Leaning upon her beloved. There is a leaning when it comes to the wilderness. But let me share this with you. There's a leaving when it comes to the wilderness. Look with me. Who is this that cometh up from? That's a good word. You know what that means? That means... That means it's not permanent. You're going to come up one day and you're going to come out one day. You're going to be shouting the glory. You're going to be shouting the victory. Will you ever forget it? I don't think you probably ever will while you're here. But God's going to get glory from the church for the ages to come. I don't think we'll ever, ever forget the grace of God that he gave us while we were here. Some of the things we've gone through, what he saved us out of, that's going to bring glory to him for the ages to come. That's what I believe. I don't think we're just going to forget everything that we did down here. My goodness, God has angels that are robots. He wants some people that will just worship him and, and spark their memory. Hey, you remember when I was at? A billion years from now. Hey, boy, you remember where you was at when I saved you? Remember you was in that Hell's Angels Clubhouse? Tattoos all over your body and needle tracks in your arms. And I sent Billy Kelly by. Hey, man, in your mind and in your spirit. And captivated the attention of your mind. And you got saved on that Monday. Oh, yes, God. I'm going to do a lap around the glory world. And God's going to get glory from the church for the ages to come. We ain't going to forget it. You'll never forget your daughter. You'll never forget her. But I promise you one thing, preacher. You come too far to turn back now. You will give God glory for it every chance you can. We're not blaming God. We're not going to charge God foolishly. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he slay me, Job said. He said, if God comes down with a 50-foot fiery sword and sticks it in my gut, cuts me in half, cuts my head off, I'm still gonna praise him. I'm still gonna give him glory. Though he slay me, he's still God. He's still God. There's a leaving from the wilderness. Can I share with you one last scripture and we're done? Look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 22. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 22. 
God's children are leaving Egypt. And watch what he says. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, verse 22, chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, verse 22. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Listen, I'm done. After 430 years of slavery in Egypt, the desert, the wilderness, you can imagine how the Israelites had become comfortable living as victims. Victim mentality is all that they had known. Generation after generation, they were slaves, they were victims. But when God delivered his people, the Israelites, he caused their victimizers and oppressors to give them jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and clothes as a payback. See, God will always vindicate you if you'll give him time. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. You wouldn't rob God of his tithes and offerings, would you? That belongs to him. Well, vengeance belongs to him too. Don't take it into your own hands. You're robbing God. Now watch this. So right before his children come out of Egypt and into the desert, God tells all of those moms to dress up their sons and daughters with all those gold and silver jewels and fancy new clothes. Why did God tell them to do that? Here's what the Lord showed me. I'm done. Because God wanted those children to stop seeing themselves as poor, limited victims and slaves. Listen, they had to see themselves as victors and royalty to enter Canaan and into the promised land. And so when it's time to come out of Egypt, when it's time to come out of the desert, don't moly grub and get depressed and woe is me and and God don't love me and God don't know where I'm at and God hates me and God's just taking his anger out on me. No, get a different set of clothes on, baby. Hey, it's time to adorn yourselves with the jewels of God. Put on the cloak of righteousness, the garment of praise, and enter out with a high hand and saying I got through it by the grace of God it is what it is I want my granddaughter back don't get me wrong I got a picture of her on my sun visor worshiping God looking at her today say God tell little Blair Nicole that I'm going to preach tonight and if God will let me I'm going to talk about her oh you know what that is I said God I'm going to give you glory I'm going to put on the garment of praise I'm coming out with a high hand I want you to get glory from what I went through I ain't charging God foolishly, buddy. He's been too good to this old sinner. I've come too far to turn back now. Amen, amen. Stand with me, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, I'm glad there's a lifting, there's a leaning, and there's a leaving in the wilderness. Lord, somebody's going through a hard time right now. Somebody's coming out of one, somebody's getting ready to go into one. But I pray that we take these words to heart, underscored in our mind and our heart, and never forget, Lord, we're going to get out one day. Lord, one of these days, we're checking out of planet Earth. This old mud ball is going to say farewell to the church. Lord, I can't wait for that day. But until then, my heart will go on singing. With joy, I'll carry on. Lord, that one that's struggling the most, would you touch him in Jesus' name? Pastor. God's good. God's so good. Through it all. I'll never forget, Brother Barry. I don't even know if you know. 
daughter Jennifer had a little girl. They said she might live a month. She lived two. That Friday night, Jennifer wanted me to come over and we know she was fixing to go, read some scripture and pray. And while I was over there, Brother Allen, I was over there. It was early in the day and we was waiting, waiting. I was there, boy. I was, I was like Brother Barry, man. I was expecting a miracle, but boy, it's getting. I said, I got to get out of here. I come down to the house of God. Nobody, me and God. Boy, I'm telling you, just me and God. You talking about the peace of God moving in? Just me and the Lord by ourselves. Right there, right there on that place, right there on this altar, my face. Just me and God, boy, the peace of God moved in. He said, I said, go up, boy. It's like Lord's come by. I said, now you can do it. And I just give God the glory. Yes, he brought us through it. Sure, and we was all able to be right there just like y'all was. Right there with her when she passed. Amen. And I think about a lot of times, Jennifer got to bring Carl in the church. Amen. And I don't know if Jennifer remembers it, but right about there on the middle aisle, one Sunday evening, she was going, fixing to go home. And I was picking at her like I pick at all my grandkids. And the first time, I believe it was her first time ever, she looked up and she smiled. She knew joy. Your life may crumble apart. And this song Rachel's going to sing, it simply says, if all that happens and everything falls apart, basically, I'm still going to worship you, God, Amen. just for you, me and you. Yes. Amen. If I got to go through Gethsemane, if I got to sit in the ashes, yep. I'm going to worship God. Amen. Why? Because God deserves it. Right. It doesn't matter if he ever touches you, touches me, blesses us again. He deserves our praise and our worship simply because he's God. Simply because he's the creator. Simply because he's the savior. Simply because he's God. He deserves it. Doesn't matter how rough our life gets, but ain't you glad, Brother Ricky? Ain't you glad? Ain't you glad? And no matter what, amen, God comes by even when we don't deserve it, even when we're not worthy, he'll still come by. He don't just leave us in our sorrow, in our self-pity, amen, he'll come by. Amen. Brother Ralph, he'll come by and he'll love us. And he'll deliver us, he'll take care of us. So tonight, you may be battling the worst battle of your life. You may be in the worst shape you've ever been in spiritually. Amen, you may, you, may, you may be sitting here, amen, just upset and just doubting God, fighting God. Why don't you come tonight? Just worship him because he's God. Get it right tonight, big good night. Rachel, I want you to sing. This altar's open, boy. It's been open all night, boy. God's been using it. Folks been using it. Hey, would you come? Rachel, you go ahead.